We're so glad that you are all here. And, you know, we want to end today, we're going to end our December series. And it's been our Christmas series, but we're going to end it on a note um, for the new year, right? Today, if you want to take out your bulletin on the inside, you'll find a little outline that will help you follow along. And the title of today's message is Hope and the Future. Hope and the future. Who wants to know about the future this morning? Okay. Some of you are like, I'm not sure I want to know, right? We're going to get to that. But hope and the future. And, you know, again, I hope everybody had a good Christmas. And before we even, you know, get there, Happy New Year this upcoming week. And I'm going to give you a word about your future today. But as we finalize this whole series about hope, Um, I want to just go through a quick review of what we learned so far this month, right? We've learned that the name of Jesus is the hope of all nations, and his name is our hope. It's in Jesus Christ that we have true hope. We've learned that everything else disappoints, but Jesus, the hope that is found in Jesus is real hope, and it'll never disappoint. The first week of December, we learned about the name of Jesus being the hope of all nations, In fact, the title of that message was, It's Jesus, right? And just to make sure we're all awake, let's talk to each other just for a couple of minutes. Come on, why don't you poke somebody and say, It's Jesus. Jesus. We learned, right, that, that Jesus is the plan for all nations. He's the pursuit of all nations. And that he's the promise to all nations, right? And then the following week, we learned about hope first. That really, before you can have anything else, you first have to have hope, right? We even saw from the scriptures that to even have faith, before you can even have faith in God, you first got to have what? Hope. Hope is first, right? And then, uh, you know, 25 of us were gone to Cuba a couple of weeks ago for Christmas in Cuba, which was an amazing thing. If you weren't here last Sunday to hear the testimonies, I encourage you to go online and go, go, you can go to Facebook actually and watch the whole service from last Sunday. We gave a lot of testimonies and we're also going to be posting the video um, that had the testimonies about Cuba. But uh, while a lot of us were gone, many of you were here and Caleb taught us about hope fosters closeness, right? And we learned that hope leads us out of meaningless religion into a close and meaningful relationship with God. And then last Sunday... How many of you were here and enjoyed our wonderful Encounter Kids as they led us into worship? It was so sweet. I just, I love how the, the reality of, of, of God's word that kids, you know, from the mouth of babes, it, praise is perfected. And, and sometimes we just need to rub shoulders with the kids a little bit so that our praise can get better, right? And it was good. And we learned that Christmas is hope, right? That the message of hope, the message of the hope of Christmas is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the hope of the gospel, the hope of the coming of Jesus is forgiveness, freedom, and who remembers the third one? Felicidad, right? Forgiveness, freedom, and joy is the hope of Christmas. And today, I want to talk about our hope for the future or about how hope has to do with the future and Just really quickly, I just want to thank God as we were praising him. You know, I was just standing there. I couldn't help but shout my thanks to God today and for his faithfulness that this past year, so many wonderful things happened. A lot of difficult and hard things happened. A lot of 
of you went through some hard times and some difficult circumstances, but you know what? You're here this morning. You're here this morning, and because you're here this morning, there's still hope, right? And we're going to get to more of that in, in, in just a minute, but you know, this past year, I want to thank God. This is the first year, and I want you to be the first to hear this, that this year in 2018, Encounter Church, for the first time in its almost five-year history, we became financially stable <laughs> as a church. As a church, we experienced, after almost five years of planting this church, we experienced a financial breakthrough to where we're making it, financially speaking, still many, many miracles are taking place to make this happen, but we went through almost a whole year without being like, I don't know how we're going to pay the rent, okay, which was about four years of our reality. And we're believing that this upcoming year, 2019, we're going to see bust through the roof breakthrough. Because, listen, because we, be, we experienced breakthrough in our finances, we planted churches in the nations. We sent uh, teams to the Philippines. We sent a team to Cuba. Uh, and, and many other things we were able to do to bless people in our congregation and in this city. And as our finances grew as a church, we've been able to bless and reach more people. Also in 2018, we did not reach our 200 goal quite, but you guys, we moved forward and moved closer and closer to that, and we're almost there. We've almost reached our 200 goal, and I believe we're going to bust right through it in 2019, right? We're going to see a lot more people come to Christ and a lot more disciples made, and I think you guys wanted to clap on that one, so I'll let you clap on that one. All right. We had some weddings, we had some babies, we had, we had some just personal breakthrough in people's lives, and you've heard a lot of those testimonies, but I want you to hear a really special one today, because I feel like some of you need to hear not only her story, but it's going to fill some of you with great hope for the future. And before, I want to ask if Charmaine McGovern would just go ahead and join me here at the front. I want you to just tell somebody... Come on, Ashley. Come on, you can give her a hand. That's good. As she begins to share a little bit of her story, I want you to turn to somebody. I want you to look them in the eye, okay? I know this might be uncomfortable, but just do it. Just tell them, you're here, so there's still hope. Tell us what happened, Sarmay. Okay, so basically, um, me and my husband, we were trying to have kids at the beginning of the year, and um, thank you. I don't know why I'm crying. <laughs> um, and you, so we got pregnant, and and then it, you know, didn't go quite as planned. I had a miscarriage, and um, so you know, I have a relationship with the Lord, obviously, and. I'm, you know, praying my way through, and I'm like, oh, you know, maybe next time. And then it happened again. And so that time, um, I mean, I don't, it's, it's really a long story, but uh, I want to just, because I, I felt like I was going through a 
like a depression state with the second time. And I, I, want, I do want to encourage anybody in here, or if y'all know anybody that has not been to the encounter retreat or that don't come to Wednesday night prayer, like, go. Because, like, people were praying for me. My friends that don't even go to the church were praying for me. And, you know, I wasn't really able to pray for myself. I was just sit at the feet of Jesus and, and just sing songs and just, just tell him, I'm just going to sit here and just allow him to just minister to me. And um, I'm going to ask a, a question just so people are aware. Um, the second miscarriage happened literally a few days before the encounter retreat, right? Around that time, right? Yep. And um, so, y'all already know the encounter retreat story, I hope. Because <laughs> I don't want to be so long-winded. Um, so, I came here and um, got set free. And so, we, you know, stopped trying for a while. And I was, and, you know, we were fine with that. So, just living our life. <laughs> and then... Um, after that, we, you know, decided to try again. And what I didn't tell um, Liz and Julian is that um, one night before I found out I was pregnant, um, I was here just, you know, and focusing on the Lord. And I came down to the altar and um, the Lord, I saw a vision of the Lord and he touched my stomach. And, um, and as I saw that, right after that, Liz said, the Lord is healing people tonight. I'm just like, hmm, what a coincidence, <laughs> you know? And um, I went back to my seat, and I'm still just in my zone, and <laughs> I saw this picture of a sword. And the Lord said, and, no, I saw the picture of the, the sword, and Julian said, Pick up your sword. And that next week, I found out I was pregnant. And um, I was so happy, but I found out in a, in a weird way because I was having pain. And I'm like, oh, no, I don't want this to happen again. So I just I got out of my bed, and I just started walking around my room, declaring the word of the Lord over my body, over my baby. And um, when I found out, and... And um, now I'm five months pregnant. And and, um, yeah, that's the nutshell of it. Like, I don't want to be so... Tell us, I know that a lot of people have heard this part of the story, but just kind of quickly tell us how, like, the Lord took away the depression. Oh. So, um, let's see. Ooh. I really think it was a process, and just coming to the um, retreat was like the icing on the cake. It was like the tipping. So, um, you know, like I said, I would sit at the feet of the Lord, at the feet of Jesus, and um, just to fast forward, like my friend, friends out of the country, she would call me and pray for me, even when I would tell her, "Oh, I'm fine." And she was like, "Charmaine, you are not fine. I can hear it in your voice." And I would just bawl. She would just pray and. Anyway, so I came to the, the encounter retreat, and um, I actually thought I was fine. I was like, but it was a little bit, <laughs> I don't know. You, I don't know. So I came here, and I was like, okay, Lord, I feel like I'm fine, but whatever you want to do, just do it. And I realized at the retreat I wasn't fine, 
And um, so Liz was preaching and I came up, she, you know, caught people up if they wanted to come up. So I went up and, um, you know, she was just holding me and I was just like weeping. And, and I really felt like it wasn't even her, it was like God's arms like just holding me. And she was just praying and praying and praying. And after that, I was like, okay, you know, after I got myself back together and um, I felt like, okay, I'm good. But then I was like, hmm, maybe it's more. So it was like at the end of the retreat, I, um, you asked if people wanted to receive the um, speaking in tongues. And then he was like, well, if you already have it, just come on up and pray for other people. So I went up and I was just praying. And um, I got, you know, zapped by the Lord. <laughs> and um, I was just laughing like uncontrollably in the Holy Spirit. Literally, I never knew what Holy Ghost rolling was, but I was literally <laughs> Holy Ghost rolling on the floor. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, oh my gosh, these people are gonna think I'm crazy. And I was like, you know what, I don't care. Lord, do what you wanna do. <laughs> and so, um, I was, as I was rolling, I had this, another vision, and it was like so many angels. It was so many angels around me. Like, and I thought my eyes was open, so I, I, I moved my eye, I moved my eyes, and I was like, oh, my eyes are actually closed, you know, and I was like, I'm like, I'm like what, what, is, what is this, what are they doing, and, and um, he said that they're angels that are ministering to me, and um, it was just such an amazing, amazing experience, and, you know, that's it. <laughs> If, if you would have seen her when the Lord was touching her, you wouldn't have imagined that he was pulling her out of a depression because she was full of joy. And then, you know, you know the rest is history. And, and today we just bless this baby in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. We declare your blessings and your health and your peace, Father. And not only for this baby, but for, for every baby that is to come this year. And we just pray, Lord, that even as... This miracle has happened. We pray and declare um, not only for pregnancy, but for pregnancy and other impossible situations, Father God. We prayed that this year, even as hope, the, the, the hope came and the hope is being fulfilled, Father God, we thank you that hopes, that hope is being restored and that hopes are going to be fulfilled. Even this year, Father, we pray it and declare it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Charmaine. See, hope says, and, and we learned this a few weeks ago, and I just want to repeat it to you today because I want somebody to grab a hold of this as we go into this new year, right? Hope says something good can still happen, right? That's what hope says. Hope says something good can still happen. And as we get into this word today, I want us to, to look into Jeremiah chapter 29. It's a verse that probably many of you have heard or read many times, but today I, you know, I was getting ready um, about a week ago thinking about the new year, and this is the word that I felt the Lord speak to my heart, and that it was the word for our church, and so it's uh, Jeremiah 29, we're going to read verses 11 and through 13. My favorite part, actually, of this passage is the first phrase. It says, for I know the plans. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. 
to give you a future and a hope. Come on, somebody say, hope in the future. In those days, when you pray, I will listen. And if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. The future can be scary. Right? And the reason that the future can be scary is because of the past. (laughs) Come on, somebody. The future can be scary because we don't know exactly what the future holds. In fact, a lot of people go into the new year, a lot of people look into the future with a certain sense of dread or fear, right? And that sense of fear or dread of the future has a lot to do with the past. But a lot of people also go into a new year at the same time, even though there might be this certain sense of dread or fear, there's also this sense of hope that better things can come, right? And a lot of people are like, you know, they're going into a new year. Thank God this year is over. I'm going into a new year because new things are coming and better things are coming, right? And that's what we call hope. And, you know, there is, if we take the scripture, not only this scripture, but if we look at the Bible as a whole, there is hope for the future, right? There really is hope for the future. And What I want to say and pray and declare and prophesy over Encounter Church is this year, you as an individual, you as a follower of Jesus, you as a son, as a daughter, and we as a church family, we are not going into 2019 with dread and with fear. We are grabbing hold of hope. And we are going into, we're leaving one year and we're going into the new year. And we are decidedly, intentionally going into this year, grabbing hold of and standing firm upon hope. And rather than dreading what may come, we are hopeful of what can come. Amen. We're going into this new year with hope for the future. And I want to encourage you, let Hope lead you this year rather than fear. You have to make a decision, and I have to make a decision because I know I'm not the only one that has plenty of things to fear. We have plenty of things to fear. But I have way more things to hope for than what I have to fear. And the God that I serve and the hope that he provides is so much greater than the fear of man or the fear of what's to come. Hope is greater than fear. So I encourage you and challenge you in 2019, be led by hope and not by fear. See, from this scripture, I want to share just three three things with you really quick that really got my attention as I read it. The first one is from verse 11. I want to read what verse 11 has to say again. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Number one, he knows the plan. He knows the plan. Aren't you glad he knows the plan? See, when I read that, I'm like, oh, that is so comforting. (laughs) He actually knows the plan. 
The scripture doesn't say I have plans for you. The scripture says I know the plans I have for you. Come on, is anybody else excited besides me that he actually knows the plan? Come on, I'm glad somebody knows the plan. He knows the plan. And sometimes I don't know the plan. Am I the only one who sometimes feels like I just don't know what the plan is? Like, what? I, I don't know. I wish I knew, but I don't know. And the fact that he does actually know the plan, he's not worried about it. He's not even really thinking about it. He's not even having to plan for it. He's not looking around thinking, well, hopefully the circumstances will all come together. No. He actually knows the plan. He has a plan and he knows it already. And I know that that's very simple. But that is greatly comforting to me and I hope it is to you. Because we spend a whole lot of emotional energy when we don't know or can't control the future. How much emotional energy, how much of the energy of our soul do we spend trying to like, act like we can know the future or control the future? You know what that's called? In fact, this generation has created an actual sickness or syndrome for it. We didn't used to call it like that but we now have a name for it you said it what anxiety and people now talk about having anxiety attacks right the the, the thing that this feeling of I can't really know the future and I certainly can't control it but I trying to or I'm you know that's called anxiety and it's this feeling of I want to control the future, but I really know that I can't on the inside, but I still try. And that produces this terrible thing called anxiety. And you guys, anxiety is not God's will for his people. It just isn't. I know a lot of Christians who live with anxiety as if, oh, it's just part of life, you know? It's just part of modern life. Well, anxiety is not God's will for his children Peace is. Anxiety is not God's will. Peace is God's will. In fact, Isaiah 26.3 says this. Oh, man. It says, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. See, a lot of times we think that peace comes from knowing the future, because when I know the future, I can feel fine about it, right? How many of you, I mean, I don't know about, listen, I know this may sound weird, but even if I know something bad's going to happen, the fact that I already know it, I feel more okay about it. Does that make sense? Like when I know something good's going to happen, woo, what peace I have. But even when I know, like I know, you know, Something bad's about to happen because you already know it's about to happen, <laughs> right? Like, not knowing it, but dreading it is terrible. But kind of knowing about it already, even though it may produce a sense of dread, there is this feeling of, I'm okay because I already know. But with the majority of life, we don't know. We just don't know. 
And you may be a very prophetic person. I have very much a notion of things that are to come because of the Holy Spirit, the gift of prophecy, and the word of, all, the word of knowledge and all that kind of stuff. But none of that is complete and perfect. None of, nobody totally, completely knows. Look, even Jesus said when he walked on earth, only even the Father knew when the second coming would happen. Come on, we, nobody knows everything that's going to happen, and we certainly can't control it. Now, this is especially hard for people that like to be in control. Do we have any of those in the house? And some of you aren't like that. Some of you just kind of go with the flow, take it easy, whatever comes my way, I'm good. But many of us are like, I want to be in control and orchestrate what happens and exactly how it happens and when it happens and with whom it happens. And, 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 and it, so it's, it's especially hard for those of us that, would, that really like to control to just accept the fact that we cannot. But I'm a leader. I'm in charge. Okay. Things happen that are out of our control. Things happen that we did not foresee. And anxiety in the midst of all of that is not God's will. Peace is. The key to peace is not knowing the future or being able to control it. The key to peace isn't good luck or the lack of problems. The key to peace is Isaiah 26.3. It's to intentionally keep my thoughts fixed on the God who actually does know the future and holds my future and your future in his hands. The key to peace isn't controlling the future. The key to peace is to know the one who does hold the future. And to know he knows the plan. I don't know about you, but that encourages me. I, I Literally, we sat down on Friday and planned out our whole 2019. It's, it's on the calendar. And you better bet it's going to happen exactly like that. Not. Right? It's important and it's good to be responsible to plan. The Bible talks about that in Proverbs. But the Bible also says in the very same chapter, we make our plans, but the Lord directs our steps, right? It's good to plan. It's good to be prepared for the future, to be responsible to plan for the future. But it's very important to understand we can't control the future, but that there is a God who is in control. And if we know him... We know the one who knows the plan, right? Who I don't know the future, but I do know and trust the one who does. I, I tell myself this often, especially when I don't know what's going to happen. Because there's been some times in my life where I don't know. I just don't know. Like something bad could happen. Something good could happen in a certain situation. A decision I have to make. And I don't know if necessarily. Have you ever been in a place where you're like, you got to make a decision and... Both of them, you're not sure this or that, good, bad, bad, good, I don't know. And, and, or in this kind of situation, something really bad could happen or something really good could happen or it could be just kind of mediocre or whatever. And I've told myself this over and over and over and over and over again. And this is not just a Christian cliche. 
no matter what happens, I win. Now that sounds like some motivational speaker, you know. Biblically speaking, I am hoping for the best of the best. But no matter what actually ends up happening in this life, in the end, I really do win. Because if you are a follower of Jesus, in the end, you win. You will go through great times and wonderful breakthroughs and amazing miracles you will see him perform in your life. He is faithful. You will see him perform his word. You'll go through times of prosperity and blessing. There will also be troubles and trials and tribulations and obstacles and tough circumstances. Jesus said we will have affliction in this world. Is it inevitable? But no matter what happens, on the other side of that that happens, good or bad, I win. Come on. If you follow Jesus until the end, you really truly win. Even if tomorrow is not okay. Even if what happens next week is not okay. I'm going to get on the other side of that by following Jesus. And if I follow Jesus to the end, I win. And the good or the bad that happened along the way in the end, it really won't make that much of a difference because in the end, we win. Come on, tell somebody, if you follow him, it doesn't matter what happens. In the end, you win. We win. And that gives me great peace and comfort even when things don't make sense. Because sometimes they just don't. Sometimes, sometimes things you think, like you follow God so, you know, everything makes sense because he's just so orderly and perfect and faithful and his ways are... Exactly. His ways <laughs> are so much higher. His thoughts are so much higher that sometimes we kind of get on the same wavelength and we're, you know, and then sometimes it's just like, Lord, that doesn't even make sense. But you know the plan. Number one, he knows the plan, and that should bring you great comfort. Number two, his plans are good. Verse 12 says, to, uh, my, the plans, they are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. His plans aren't always easy. His plans aren't always easy. But his plans are good. And I want you to be careful with your perspective on things. Because a lot of people think, well, God is sovereign and his, everything that happens is just God's plan. No, that's bad theology. <laughs> not everything that happens is God's plan. That, that, that's not what sovereignty, the sovereignty of God means. God didn't plan. God didn't plan for us to sin and be separated from him. But he did plan that because we would to save us. Not everything that happens is, is God's plan. It's not like Charmaine miscarried twice. It's not like God went, zap, miscarry. That's not God's, 
See, be very careful when, when you think well, it's just God's plan, you know. Well, that's not the, the right perspective. The right perspective is God has a plan and he knows it. And even when bad things actually do happen, his plan trumps it all. His plan is above and over even when things that don't seem like good plans take place. Does that make sense? See, his plans aren't always easy, but they are always good. And life isn't always easy. In fact, goodness, the older I get, there's less easy times (laughs) and more striving, difficult, challenging times, right? But even when things aren't easy, his plan is still good. It overrides it all. And this is what we have to understand and embrace with our heart and let it control the way we think, okay? God's plans are good because God is good. His plans are good because he is good. So you can and must trust him. And that's where peace comes from. Knowing and trusting that he is good and trusting in his plans. Again, this doesn't mean that bad or hard things don't happen. But this is where, this is the, where I really felt like the Lord was speaking strong to me this week. Bad things don't cancel God's good plans. So don't. And this, is, this was literally I heard the Holy Spirit speak this entire sentence to me. Okay? Very clearly. The beginning of the week, this is what he spoke to me, and the whole message came from this, this sentence that he spoke to me in my heart. He said, tell people, don't let the disappointment of the past rob you of the hope of the future. Don't let it. Because the disappointment of the past, if we allow it to be carried into every step of the... I'm not saying you'd get over disappointment in one second. Get over it, Right? No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. I am saying, get over it. I'm not saying it's easy, just to have forget about that happen. You know, whatever. No, no, no. If this takes being intentional. Intentionally, in your soul, let go of, leave the disappointment of the past in the past. And instead of bringing that disappointment into the future, grab a hold of hope for the future. Because if we constantly carry the disappointment of the past, we'll never grab a hold of the hope of the future. It'll rob us. Even when good things might be right at your doorstep, we're dwelling on the disappointment of the past and we can't even see the good that is just about to happen. Don't let the disappointment of your past rob you of the hope of the future. Just remember, if you're still alive, good things can still happen. But bad things can happen too. Yes, they can. But good things too. And I'm not going to discard the possibility of good things because also bad things might happen. I'm not going to let the bad and the disappointing and the negative rob me of the good and the great things God has for me. Don't let the enemy, somebody needs to hear this today. Don't let the enemy deceive you into mistrusting or distrusting God. That 
never goes well. <laughs> See it in the Bible? I've seen it with my own eyes and experienced it in my own life. If you let the devil somehow convince you to not really trust in him, where does your trust go? In yourself. And that does not bode very well. Last time I checked, his plans are better than mine. And when I trust in myself, if, if I somehow just, I might not say it with my mouth, but I'm, I'm not trusting him anymore, but I'm more trusting in what I can do and what I can design and what I can control and what I can make happen. And then I miss out on what I would have and could have experienced had I trusted in the goodness of God. Jo uh, what's his name? Help me, Lord. Somebody got swallowed by a whale. Jonah. I knew that. You think I'd forget about like Abinadab or, you know, <laughs> Jonah. Jonah didn't trust that God's plans were good. And we, read, we talk about Jonah and he got swallowed and then he prayed and the Lord rescued him and spit him out. Read the, read the, read the end of that story. It's terrible. I hate Jonah. The story of Jonah is awful. It really is because he ends up First of all, he didn't hope in God. Then he kind of turned to God, and then he didn't really like what God's plans were. He didn't really, it, it all boiled down to Jonah did not trust God. Jonah did not believe that God had good plans. And we don't even, like, Jonah, the story of Jonah ends, and that's it. Like, he ends bitter and wanting to die. I don't know about you, but I don't want to end 2019 like that. <laughs> I want to trust him that when everything is great, I hope. And when I'm going through things that are tough, I hope. And when I'm going through things I don't even know how I'm going to get on the other side of, I hope. And when I'm going through things that I don't understand, that don't seem to make sense, I hope in him because I know He's good, therefore his plans are good even when they don't make sense. And even when what I'm going through doesn't make sense. In fact, Romans 8.28 says, We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Y'all, I don't know how he does it. But somehow, God has the ability even to use bad things for our good. How he does it, that's one of those he's sovereign things. <laughs> he's wise. His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. I don't know how he does it, but God even uses the bad, the ugly, the hard, the difficult, the tough, the I don't know how I'm going to get through this, that I don't understand, Lord, that this doesn't make sense. He even uses that for our good 
But it says, for those who love him. I dare to say that many people, everything is not working for their good because they don't love God. I would even dare to say that there are people in the church who aren't experiencing all things working for their good because they really have forgotten the other part about this is that I persist in loving God. I continue to pursue and love him come what may. And then whatever comes, he uses for our good. Now, I've, I, again, I don't have time because we're getting near the end of this to go through lots of personal testimonies anymore. But I've seen this again and again and again in my life where I've gone through something and it's like, this sucks. And then you get on the other side of it and God's using that very thing, thing that sucked to bless me. Like, how in the world does he do that? I don't know. But one thing I do know, he's good. And I trust him and I trust his ways. Come on, give him some praise. Let this set you free right here. We're almost to the third and this one will be fast. But let this set you free. You are not called to figure out and control the future. You are called to love and trust God. I don't know about you, but that frees me up. I'm not even called to try to figure out and, and, and control the future. I'm just called to know he knows the plan, and I love and trust him, and he's going to order my steps into his plans. Amen? But number three, not only does God know the plan, and not only are his plans good, but number three, prayer uncovers those plans. Prayer uncovers those plans. Verse 13 says, when you pray, right? Not if you pray. Come on now. When you pray, I'll listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you'll find me. Prayer uncovers the plans because we align ourselves with his plans when we pray. Through prayer, I align myself with his plans. His plans are, I mean, all he has to do is speak. Boom. Done. Right? Hello. Let there be light. Like when he has a plan, all he has to do is speak it into place. So all I have to do is get into that voice. <laughs> Come on, did you hear that? He speaks his plans into existence. And my job is to just somehow get myself into a position to hear that voice. I align myself with the plans that he has through prayer, when my heart is aligned with him, everything else will also line up. When my heart is aligned with him, everything else will line up. That's why Jesus taught his disciples to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done. That's, that's kind of like all said in the same breath. It's one, it's one idea, okay? It's not your kingdom come... And then later, your will be done. It's your kingdom come, your will be done. Why? Because when he's the king of my heart, when he's reigning in my heart, his will gets done through my life. Right? And when I align my heart in prayer and allow him to be the king of my heart, his plans get revealed to my heart and then I get to do them in my life. That's how his will gets done in the earth as it is in heaven. It comes from heaven into my heart and then through my life it gets done. 
That's why Jesus also said, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added, right? Because when I line my heart up with the king, everything just, you could say, I know it sounds cliche, but it's true, falls into place. That's how it works. And when we pray, we connect with him. And in connecting with him, we connect with his plans. In 2019, you guys, I know you, you, you see it in your bulletin there, and uh, Alex and Kwame talked a little bit about it, but something uh, since September that God put in my heart, and I haven't known exactly how to go about it. First of all, it was to me this call of to be more of a man of prayer. And I literally heard God tell me that. That's who you are. You're a man of prayer in the word. That's what he told me. And I said, okay, I want to be that. <laughs> if that's who you say I am. Say, I heard him tell me that's, that was his plan. And, and very clearly to me over the past couple of months has been Encounter Church. I mean, you've seen it. It's been on Facebook. I've said it. It's in the bulletin. We say it all the time. Called to be a house of prayer for all nations. That's what Jesus said that the temple would be, right? And I followed the Lord saying, I want to make Encounter Church more. We're a people of prayer, for sure. We pray. <laughs> Encounter Church was birthed in prayer. And we pray about everything. And we have a weekly prayer meeting. But I felt like the Lord said, I want you to become more of a people of prayer. I want to make this place a house of prayer. Not just a prayer meeting, but a prayer environment. An atmosphere, because in the atmosphere of prayer is where the supernatural plans of God get revealed and then they get carried out through us, His people, right? So that's why we're talking about starting the year 21 days of fasting and prayer. And literally every day of the week, we're going to have an hour of prayer we're going to have different times uh, during the week. Lunch hour prayer, late night prayer, Wednesday night prayer. And of course, we pray on Sundays together, right? But we're going to move Encounter Church into a new season of prayer. But it's not just for us as a whole. It's for each and every one of us as individuals. We can say we have hours of prayer going on, come to the house of prayer. But really what this is a call to is a call to each one of us individually to align ourselves with heaven's plans through an attitude of prayer. Because prayer uncovers, discovers the plans of God. And that's the calling I feel to challenge you with today. In fact, you can stand to your feet if you'd like. 